Geek Shock. Geek Shock. Meanwhile, in the Book of Doom. <laughs> That's a, an amazing book. Yeah. Is that the, the accident one by yes. the uh, yeah, Pacific w- Telephone and Telegraph? Well, it's yes. from the 50s. Yeah. And it's all cartoons about people having horrific accidents in that jo- jovial 50s style. That, like, that like, fallout. Like drowning your style. baby. Yes. It's glorious. Yes. Uh, how much you pay for that thing? Uh, I think a dollar. Money well spent. Yeah. You paid... With it, with the blood of a child. Yeah. Also money well spent. Yeah. I got the dribble tool set for uh, five bucks at the same place. What, do you, do, what do you do with triple tools? Yes. Dremel tool. Oh, dr- Dremel tool. Got it. Mm-hmm. Triple tools that I'm firmly against. It's, it's very cruel to the dribbles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 445. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Fact check, Andy. And we're here to talk Week in Geek. As sorry we missed last week, had a bit of a family emergency, so I appreciate your patience on that. I hope you enjoyed Geek Shock Live. I was kind of glad to finally get that out there because it's showing its age because we were doing yeah. some red light, green light. We were yeah. doing News of the Week during that. Not the most evergreen show no. we've ever had, but I do love it because, one, you got to hear Maple Leaf Matt again. We've missed his voice. Oh, oh my God. Hopefully we'll get him back here in a couple weeks. Mm. And I even have a little Canada Day pin for him that I wasn't able to give him because he's not here today. See? Yeah. See, exactly. He, we, saw him, we saw him yesterday on Canada Day. Yeah, well. What is he doing to celebrate? We were playing, uh, playing a very long, complicated game. And we, we, we sang all Canada to him. Oh, that was nice. Did as, you really? As much of it as we knew. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> Which is just first the first two lines, right? Canada. Oh, Canada, yeah. we don't know the words. Oh, that's is something like this, and we know how it sounds, kind of. That's about as far as we got. <laughs> but please tell me that was in unison too. It was pretty maple close. Maple leaf, maple leaf. Oh, that's cute. Beaver. Oh, beaver. I like nice beaver. beaver. So, yep. Yeah, we played Eldritch Horror. Oh, that's the long and complicated yes. game. Yeah, and it was. How long did the game last? Uh, six hours. Why do you have to go and be so complicated? Seven hours. Six, seven hours. That's a proper game. There was a lot of Arkham. setting up, a lot of figuring out how to set up. That game takes an hour to set up. Yeah. yeah. There's there's all sorts of tokens, tchotchkes, cards, and cards. figurines. Yes. Lots of cards. Oh, my word. Tons of cards. But so, fun. And there's lots of extra cards we didn't realize at first because we're trying to figure out where the cards go. And then we, you know, we're having Maple Leaf. Uh, not Maple Leaf. We're having uh, Lewis. Lewis go through it and, uh, and uh, try and explain uh, where things go. And it's like, what about these cards? Where do they go? They're, they're not in the game. What? Because, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're different scenarios. Okay, right. Now, how, how does this compare to Arkham Horror? It's um, similar. Um it's co-op. It's Arkham, Arkham, Arkham Horror. Yes, co-op Arkham Horror is co-op as well. Yeah. It's been a while since I played Arkham Horror. I'm, I'm having trouble remembering. But it's, uh, it's, it's, wor- it's worldwide. You're going through the whole world, closing off gates and stuff. And so that's the big difference, because Arkham Horror just takes place in Maine. Yeah. Mm. And now it's worldwide. Yep. It's really a long pandemic. Mm-hmm. Traveling around the world, fighting monsters, closing gates. 
That sounds like or, Arkham or, Horror. Or failing to close a gate, and then the doom clock turns and everybody dies. Sounds like Arkham Horror. We actually yeah. got very, very close to beating it Uh-oh. and then we, died. We solved the victory condition in the last available round, oh. but the final phase is the mythos phase where the mythos gets to do something before you close out the round. And it did the perfect collection of things to destroy us. So we won, but lost. Yeah. So it was perfect for a Lovecraft game. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's, that's a game no one wins. Mm-hmm. I mean, very. I mean, you can claim some massive geek cred if you play any of the Arkham Horror games with its full rules, because there are ways of you know tamping the rules down to make it easier. But if you're playing the actual game, good luck. You will not win. Yep. That game will take you out 95% of the time. Yeah. But it's designed for that. It's meant to be hard. Everyone yeah. working together, doing it right, getting lucky. Yeah. But yeah, we, uh, we, we're sorry, we, we segued off in the middle of your talk about getting to hear Matt again. Yes, it was good sorry. to hear Matt again. And I can't remember what the second part was. Oh. So that second part, that's that was for you, the, Matt. Uh, the live show. Oh, yeah. Matt's glove reveal. Yeah. Of, of that wonderful. Infinity Gauntlet. That mm-hmm. thing is amazing. Oh, I think he. Uh, I think he still masturbates with that. Yeah. If he doesn't, I will. Yeah. I think it's monster bait in that case. Is he using the reality stone so that it, all the sizes match to the oh, size yeah. of the glove? Yeah. <laughs> he snaps his fingers. He's finished. <laughs> How is that then different? Then than- he snaps his fingers and the time stone goes back and he does it again. <laughs> <laughs> does a Doctor Strange loop. <laughs> but he has to do a sacrifice of someone he loves every time. That's the only problem. Mm-hmm. Well, do you see him here? Good point. There you go. <laughs> Alright, we have a lot of news. Of course, it's been two weeks worth Uh-oh. of news. And there's Uh-oh. been a lot of stuff going yeah, on the last yeah. couple of weeks. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't catch up amongst ourselves. Gentlemen, what geeky things you do in the last two weeks? Well, we played Elder Chore. Elder Elder Chore. And then uh, I actually played a couple new games before that. I played uh, I played a game called uh, Colt Express, which is bandits uh, attacking a train and trying to get as much loot trying to you're playing against each other trying to get loot off the train. Oh okay. but the train is actually three dimensional. It's it's a cardboard sort of pieced together slot and slot thing. So you're playing in this upright train. And you're running around on the inside of the train, or you can run on the roof of the train. And all the characters have slightly different powers, and it's kind of a deck builder. You you sort of build a deck. You've got a set deck that doesn't get any better, but it does get worse, because when you get shot, the bullets go into your deck and and become chaff, basically. The the wounds become in there. So so each round, you have less of a chance of having a better hand. That's an interesting mechanic. It is. It is. And the three-dimensional thing was cool, too. So, so everybody's out for their own against this train. Yes. And I guess and random has, things happen with the train. Right. And everyone has a slightly different power. My, the power I had was uh, uh, it, you can, in the game, you can shoot. You can only shoot somebody in the next train. Or if you're on the roof, you can shoot anybody on the roof. Okay. My character could shoot up and down, too. So I could shoot people through the roof. Oh, wow. Uh Celestia played and randomly got the uh, character with the boobs, and that was her power, was the boobs. Nobody could shoot her if there was anybody else that could legally shoot. So if, they, if the shooting card came up and you could shoot anybody else but her, even if you wanted ah, to shoot her, you had to shoot somebody else. I see. That explains boobs. Yeah. It, it kind of does. Yeah. kind of does. 
What's that game called again? Uh, Cult Express. Cult Express. Yeah. And then I played a, another game, which is actually an old Milton Bradley game, which is uh, expensive on eBay. I looked it up immediately. Like, Ooh, I need this. No, I don't. Um, it's like a 300 bucks a game on eBay. That's expensive game. What's, yeah. What makes it so $300? Uh, it's just out of print and uh, fun. It's called Thunder Road, and it's basically uh, Mad Max the game. Oh, do tell. I actually brought it. I actually borrowed it and played it with Kay. So yeah. I'm going to let Kay explain it because he is so much better at the. Well, it. It's it's actually an interesting design. At everything, <laughs> two, yes. two, uh, a two tile, large tiles being a dirt road in the wilderness, and you have your sandy shoulders that you uh, can drive in, and your road, and it's gridded off, and you roll a six sided die, and that's the number of squares you can move. If you're on the road, you get a bonus die that you can use. So being on the road, you go a little further. But being on the road, everybody's all clustered together. And you start begin, you begin uh, at one end of the board. You start rolling through. What happens is the first car to exit the second tile. And we're talking uh, how many the, squares the, I would long? Say the, I would say, I would say the, the board is about the size of like a Monopoly board folded over. Yeah, it's, it's a, like it's like it's like you're playing with the Monopoly board ripped in half, yeah. from okay. end to end. It's so. like it's like thirteen, fourteen squares long or okay. something. And um, the first car to get off the second board goes to the beginning of the prior board, and everything on the prior board is wiped away. Oh, it's, so, it's basically like a uh, um, conveyor belt. I mean, you, you yeah. when you get to the well, end, I was getting yeah. yeah. And, and so, and then what you do is you take the f- the second board, and it goes behind uh-huh. the first board, and so you're just sort of never chaining road. Right. your road. And the whole goal is to be the last car standing. Right. And you have three cars, and you have uh, different ranks on the cars, um, and you have rules for ramming, wrecking, and shooting. You also get a little copter that can go in once per. Once per board, mm-hmm. um, and uh, do an attack, a shooting attack, to see if you can wreck someone's car. And then your cars get wrecked on the road as you're moving forward. You roll three dice for three cars. If you get two sixes, your wreck, one of your wrecked cars is working again. And you, you, you ride it, because you have little model cars, and you... You uh, roll and move that car. So, so there's a lot of, as somebody's getting closer and closer to the board, you're desperately hoping for a six as your wrecked car is way at the end trying to flip over and get back on the board that's not going to disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's interesting. It's it interesting. sounds really it's interesting. Kind of reminds me of Steve Jackson's Car Wars a little bit. Uh, that was yeah. a little simplified version of that. Yeah, maybe? Car Wars is so much more complicated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah this one is, this is a, a kid's Car Wars. Okay. Maybe. Without any turning, because it's all one big straight road. Yeah, Thunder Road. I assume this is from the '80s, or is it earlier? Yeah, it's it's mid it, '80s. It's got to be '80s, because a couple of those car designs are definitely Road Warrior inspired, including an Interceptor. Ah. So, so it's it's yeah. yeah. But obviously, they didn't get or didn't try. Probably didn't get the uh, Mad Max license. Or maybe Milton Bradley didn't want to be associated with it, so they just went with they were Thunder R-rated. Road. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
All right. It's fun. That sounds great. Yeah, it is a cool and game. And you borrowed it from somebody else? So. Yeah, I'm a, a new friend of mine, relatively new friend of mine. Ah. The other gaming group I play with is... Uh, he has another gaming yes. group. Ah. Uh, it's, yeah. Well, that uh, makes both of you. You both each have right. your own separate gaming groups. Hey, yeah. mine comes to my house. <laughs> right. I don't have your, a house. Your gaming comes to you. <laughs> he goes to the other. Yeah. But no, it's the other group is made up of character artists and teachers. Oh, so, that's uh, a fun group yeah, to game so. with. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Wow. Well, what else did you do this week, guys? I went to uh, Amazing Las Vegas Comic Con. As did I. Yes, you did. Tell me about we your just, experience. We went Las on different Vegas's, days. We did. Las Vegas' own Amazing Comic Con. Yeah, I unfortunately only got to go on Sunday, which is the last day of the con. So, of course, the whole last day of con vibe was, was in full effect. Uh, not as many cosplayers as on Saturday, which was when they had the uh, cosplay contest. But uh, still, people got dressed up, and there were some pretty incredible costumes. I, there weren't as many panels on Sunday, but I did get to sit in on uh, Charlie Cox, who plays Daredevil in the, the Netflix Marvel Daredevil series. Uh, mm-hmm. I got to sit in on his panel and listen to him talk about uh, the show, which was pretty awesome. I also got my picture taken with him. There was uh, plenty of merchants in there, and many of them local. Um, making their own board games slash clothing slash all kind of geekery items. I also got uh, my picture taken with Brianna Hildebrand, who played Negasonic Teenage Warhead in Deadpool 1 and 2. Originally, I was trying to get the the Deadpool group photo, which was initially supposed to be her, the gentleman who played Dopinder, whose name escapes me right now, Louis Tan, who played uh, Shatterstar, as well as Rob Liefeld creator of Deadpool so it was supposed to be a big group photo with them but schedules and everything and then of course because I had to rearrange and not be able to go to the whole con I only got to go on Sunday I only got to do solo photos so I only got those two but you could definitely feel that people were wanting to get out of there yeah as far as like in the booths not so much that they're willing to cut deals anymore like we've discussed previously Mm. on on other podcasts Dependor was played by Karan Sony that's right I couldn't think of his name but yeah, had a good time. Spent a good four or five hours there before I fettered out because long weekend and sure. lack of sleep. I <laughs> went strong right up until like the I hit hour number four, and then I was like, "Oh boy, I'm really getting tired now." So I think I did like another final half hour sweep of the floor, and I'm like, "I'm good." Plus, they're closing in half an hour anyway, so yeah. get ahead of the curb. Exactly, exactly. Get ahead of the traffic. Yeah, I went on a Saturday and. Uh, as it tends to be for when I go to a lot of cons, because there's usually not a lot of programming I want to watch. Interestingly enough, at this one, I never saw a programming book, so I never knew what was going on. Oh, mm. nice. Uh, so I'm like, all right, I'm. who knows what I'll see. So to me, I was like, okay, I'm basically going in to uh, pay a fee to go shopping in the world's most awesome uh, arts and crafts and collectibles shopping center. Yeah. And you know, I bought a few things and saw all the little booths. Saw a few celebrities that were speaking throughout the day. And there was only one time that I'm like, you know what? I don't know what the next talk is going to be, but I can see that things are spread out. And I'm, I'm going to just go in randomly to the next one and just to see whatever I see, because that can be fun. Just you never know who you're going to see or what they're going to talk about, but it's going to be something geeky. It's probably going to be something great. And how was the My Little Pony panel? 
It was amazing. <laughs> now I, I, so I sat down. They actually did have one of those. I'm sure they did. And it was just about to start, so great. And uh, apparently they were teamed up with Collider. This yes, year. Collider was there. Right. And so it was a, a Collider panel that was going to start. I was like, okay, this could be interesting. So we, Thank you. We've joined up with Collider. Here is our, our new head of Collider uh, sticking up. And he walks out and he goes, who here knows about cryptocurrency? Oh, no. And oh, I, dear. And I'm like, fuck this. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> that was my one show experience of not store related. So, Wait, now, yeah. are you sure he was actually talking about the, yes. the or or was he talking about like dollar bills with Superman's dog paint to put on him? If, if, definitely not whatever you not said. Not the latter. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd want that. I, it probably exists with all the various myriads. So, yes, apparently Collider is getting into cryptocurrency, and we're excited to tell us all about it, and I was nowhere near excited enough to listen. Wow. How, so how, it how, was a pitch meeting. Yes. And how much, how how fast was the hiatus? How many people followed out with you? I don't know. I didn't look back. But there was only about 45 people in that room anyway. So, <sighs> wow. But overall, I had a good time. It's hard not to have a good time at the con. Yeah. Some show notes here. One, we have chosen the notebook for July for the book club. Uh, Roger Zelazny's Nine Princes in Amber. Don't get that mixed up with the Wicked Pictures, Nine Princes in Amber. That's a whole different thing. Poor Amber. Yeah. Mm. Very specialty, that. Uh, So we are going to start discussing that on the 8th. And also, this is going to be the last week that you are going to be able to enter the win a book of Brian Keene's to help Brian Keene and his, his burn issue. After this week, I will be choosing the winners, probably by random. Depends how many entrants we have all together. Again, we're not just giving away five books. We're giving away ten because Elizabeth White, editor extraordinaire, has doubled the amount of books that we are going to Whoa. give. So she is the uh, the mystery benefactor from last show. So thank you, Elizabeth, for your generosity. You're awesome. So if you want to be in the drawing for a free Brian Keene book of my choosing, just write comments at uglycouchshow.com in the header put uh help brian king <laughs> i i uh, i just when you mentioned the the collider panel there i remembered i had the uh the programming guide downloaded on my phone yeah and i found your panel <laughs> oh oh please tell describe the panel <laughs> yes so so here's the description and this is the one that i walked into 3 p.m the future of collider a cryptocurrency panel <laughs> main stage Join us for a panel moderated by Movie Talk host Mark Ellis and featuring Collider CEO Mark Fernandez and many special guests, including Collider.com Editor-in-Chief Steve Weintraub, as well as Dennis Zeng, John Schnepp, and Perry Nemiroff. Why did you not let him read that? (laughs) Because I can actually pronounce people's names. I know, where's the fun in that? Uh, for, for what is sure to be an educational and informative panel discussion and a Q&A on cryptocurrencies wow. and how Collider is using this technology to launch the crypto media revolution. Whether you're a complete blockchain expert or a total crypto noob, this is an event you won't want to miss. Oh, I could get out of there fast enough. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow, lucky me. And the lesson I mean, we learn is read the program yes, guide. I, yes. would, I would read an article about how they're going to use cryptocurrency in a, in co- collaboration with you know um, doing it as a media because 
you can actually control one of the things with cryptocurrency is you can oh, actually no, here we go no i was just saying it's <laughs> aren't you glad you missed the each panel? one is each one is unique and it it literally has to be transferred from like person to person etc which i think is what they're probably trying to do with media like instead of being able to copy and distribute videos repeatedly like pirating mm-hmm. and comics etc they can do it with a blockchain backbone and then you would only you would be able to download that item i'm going to pretend i knew what that meant and mm. move on all right, all right. okay <laughs> i'm sure somebody out there knows exactly what i'm talking and about. i'm sure you enjoyed it mm. anything else you do this week guys we i watched uh all of jessica jones finally okay what did you think for the whole thing goddamn brilliant uh every major character is nuanced and terrible and wonderful in their own way oh it sounds like jessica jones to yeah. me and uh, I watched uh, the first arc of season five of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is on Netflix now. All right. Nice. So that was fun. That was uh, dark future stuff that they... they uh, yeah, it spo- was. Spoiler alert. You'll, you'll find that as you watch the first episode. But uh, uh, the, the cliffhanger from season four was them showing up and the, was them getting kidnapped and then uh, Coulson looking out and seeing it in, in space and going, well, time to go to work, Phil. And then you see that later on. But when you cut back into the season five, not only they're in space, but they're in the future. Oh, so a few things have happened. Since yes. Then. So there's like, there's basically, uh, it, it's really fascinating what they did with five because they basically had three little mini arcs going on with that. You know, the, the, the future. Oh, is it? Because usually, usually it's at least, there's like two solid arcs. It's usually like a mid-season break. So it's three. Well, this I mean, time. I guess technically Ghost Rider finished with four, and then the future stuff jumped into five. But it it the way they had it set up, it really felt like that first arc was the Ghost Rider arc, and then the future arc, and then the mm. the return to present. Which I'm not going to say how or why all yeah, of yeah. that happened. Appreciated, right? But uh, it's mm. it's it. I really enjoyed that season. It um, is. It is it, fun though. The the first arc is is them in space and 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 Cree baddies. Lots of Cree baddies. Cool. They did get renewed for a new season. It's yes. going to be a condensed season. I think only like ten or twelve episodes, if I remember correctly. And they're going to do it summer of next year. Okay. So it's going to be a summer series, and that's the series finale. Oh. They're going no. to. They're going to end it. After that, next I, I hope they fold some of those characters into the into the movies. Uh, the only thing they've said about it is they said they will deal with some of the the fallout from Infinity War, but they're not going to say how they're going to address that because they they made a conscious decision not to incorporate elements of that into the final season of Shield because you know they were already shooting when. They started to give them some ideas about what was going on with Infinity War because they were really trying to keep most of Infinity War secret. And they're like, you know, it's going to be too difficult to work that in. So we'll make our story stand alone. And then maybe we'll, since we're going to have that extended break, when we come back, part two will already have hit. They'll just deal with the fallout and then maybe they'll flash back to stuff. He said, we have ideas what we're going to do with it, but I was like, I'm really intrigued to find out. Yeah, I'm glad they're they giving do. it. I'm glad glad they're giving it an actual end. They're they're actually yeah. letting them have that dignity. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not happy that it's ending because it is. Oh, I, I've really enjoyed every bit of a watch. 
it's it's one of those I, I won't even call it a love hate show. It definitely has its fan base and um, a very loyal fan base at that. But the way that ABC, even though ABC is producing the show, which go figure, the way ABC has kind of treated the show and shifting it around, and the fact that it still maintains some relatively solid numbers even after being shifted around, mm-hmm. it's still not in the category, uh, not category, the ratings um, mm. area that they want it to be. Demographic. Demographic. Thank you. I couldn't. I'm amazed at the, you know, the, the, I can't, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, Greek. Greg Clark, no, Clark, Clark Greg, someone tells his Clark name. Greg? Clark Greg. Clark Greg. Um, I'm amazed that this, this guy that they've just bought in, brought into the movies basically as this kind of nebuchy, low-key guy. Low-key. Low-key, yes. Oh! <laughs> um, ends up carrying the show so solidly. He's, yeah. he's such a, he ends up being such a well-rounded, powerful character in, this, in the whole thing. And he is going to um, appear again as Coulson in the Captain Marvel movie. Um, early next year since it's going to flash back to the 90s they said you'll see an early version of colson but they wouldn't say thank goodness i I didn't want anything spoiled but they weren't going to say exactly whether you're going to see a really green colson or you're going to see colson at the beginning of being this this subtle badass that Mm -hmm. you see him in in like the iron man movies and then all the way up into including uh, avengers so yeah glad to see him back yeah yeah, I'd I love did to not see more watch, of him. I did not watch any of Luke Cage season two, but I've been hearing from everyone that saw watch it that it's brilliant. All right. So And Andy and I saw Incredibles too. Ah yes. That we did. And your so, thoughts. Uh Great. Yeah, it was Incredible. it was it was nah. right up there with the first movie. Uh and it and it and it uh seamlessly starts right where the last one kicked ended. Nothing felt forced at all. It seemed all very logical and all very... Uh, it was very fluid. Fluid. That's good. For sure. Yeah. They kept the same look, the same wonderful... Uh, what's the word you use? Retrofuturist. Uh, that was great. I personally loved how the characters continued right from where they left off yeah. with their, their back develop, or their development and talking about their backgrounds and stuff. So it just... It literally, they somehow continued the story while expanding who and what each character was, and then still having this story go on around him. I I, I thought it was really. Are we in spoiler talk fantastic. now, or should we skip? No, that? no, okay. it, no, because okay. no. I don't think you you haven't seen no, it yet, right? It. Okay, so yeah, I had to go back and watch the first one to check on a plot point that was not making sense to me when I saw the second one. Uh-huh. I'll tell you, and did talk you resolve, about it later. And did you resolve it? it? Was Yep, they they he were they figured was, it out. Yep, it was it was exactly right the way they. He had said, it. "Eureka!" Yep. I th- I, I, sprang out of the bathtub. Yeah, Jack. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that sounds wet. But yeah, it's it's just delightful. It's it's. The, I've heard people say, "I don't know if I want to see it." You want to see it? You definitely want to see it. Yeah, I can. Just like Solo. Just like Solo. Yep. I only watched two movies this week. I finally saw Pacific Rim. Oh, ah, the first one or the very the, first one? Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I kind of see how Paul was not yeah. all too excited about it. It's it seems like Evangelion without the smarts. It's it's, it's a, a lot. Of, it's a lot of action. It's yeah. a lot. Of, a lot of dumb monster punching, but there's no characters in it whatsoever. Well, yeah, it's it's well. There's like three characters. No, they're not. Even they're they're one dimensional <laughs> cardboard cutouts. I was gonna say you don't get real deep into. What their motivations are. 
Yeah, it's motivated by the script. That's that's it. I'll still watch the second one because, yeah, it was all right. And I'll have them send the Netflix. Disc. Monster punching. Monster punching. That's pretty mm. much it. Which yeah. is great. Except that I wasn't a big fan of the monster design overall. They just seemed kind of oh. nebulous f- flesh creatures with teeth and some hammerheads. Okay. Or or knife head, depending on That's which a monster. one. Mm. Right. But the city defending robots were great. Yeah, could get enough of those. And yeah. Um, now you've seen Evangelion, right? Most of it. Okay. Not all of it, but enough that I'm like, well, because I wonder, I wonder if it's consistent where people who've seen Evangelion are like, oh, it's lacking, but those of us who haven't, sure, because it's tough to see. Right. Yeah, I, it it uh, it's <laughs> like ah, oh, Pacific Rim did, was fun. Yeah, if I didn't have Netflix discs, I never would have seen Evangelion. Mm. That's the only way I could see it. But it's also not fair. The comparison is not fair at all. Where we are talking about a extended series with a long arc story to tell in Evangelion, with a two-hour monster-punching movie where you can't tell a deep story, and. If you try, you're going to take away from the monster punching, which is the whole point. Mm-hmm. He did the punch. So it, it did, he did, it did the monster punch. punch. It did what it monster set out punch. to do, and I can appreciate it for that. Yeah. But it's... It was a city crunch. Don't yeah, go, don't go looking for a story. Plus, it's, Charlie... Uh, not Charlie, huh? Charlie Day? Uh, Idris Elba. Yeah, he's fantastic mm-hmm. in everything. He's does what he can with a character that's not written. Right. He needs to be Galactus in Incredibles 3. Yes. Ooh. I agree. I don't know what that means, but I agree. He doesn't know. And the other movie I saw was uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi uh, for the second time. Oh, let's see. You saw that. We're talking about that with you. Yeah, come on. Sorry? I seem to remember talking about that yeah, movie for with the you. second yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, that's why yeah. he was like, yeah, what? But, what? But in watching yeah. it the second time, I think it solidified itself as my favorite Star Wars movie. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely agree that it's better the second time around. For sure. Okay. You, you pick up on a it's lot It's on more. Netflix now. Oh, Is it? Yeah. I had such a disappointing conversation with a friend because he was going off on it again. And he was just How doing, was Vernon doing? The dude was doing the whole <laughs> bullshit about, you know, betrayed everything and doesn't care. And then we got to talking about Kelly Tran. Mm-hmm. getting off Instagram, and he's like, uh, see, now you're doing what everyone else is doing. You're oh. assuming that oh. she left because of that when she didn't announce it, so you don't know why she left Instagram. Like a, a movie actress is going to leave Instagram because reasons. <laughs> right. And and I was, I was, it's, it was a, kind of a soul-crushing conversation because it's just like, I, I, you know, and because I watched two fucking haters on YouTube just mm-hmm. to see what was see all what about. See what the arguments are? I'm getting fucking recommendations. You aren't getting enough of that shit at work? Douchebag after douchebag. Oh, yeah. After douchebag. You will get those Regarding for Last Jedi. <laughs> it, just, it, it just, man, all of the haters, all... Kathleen Kennedy humiliated by Solo's numbers. Oh, God. Barf. <laughs> and if you didn't like Jedi, fine, but don't be a dick. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I, the thing that gets me about it is, like, especially the ones that have YouTube videos about why they hated it, 
it it cracks me up. It's like you're totally entitled to your opinion. If you didn't like it, that's fine. But the 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 points that they go through to to quote prove that it's a terrible film yeah. are completely unjustified. Right. Like there's no justification for their hate based on their own presentation. And I'm sitting there and I'm like you can say that you don't like this, but by saying that does not necessarily mean that that automatically makes Look, she's totally a terrible a beige movie. uniform here. That's beige uniform. It's, it's totally beige uniform. It, it simply means... See what I mean? It didn't speak to you, but it yeah. spoke to a lot of other people. So, sure. you know, let them have their enjoyment. Yeah. Don't try it. to tell me that I'm wrong for liking it. That's that's the kind of shit I hate. Sure. Yeah. Or, or becoming a toxic piece of shit on yes. the internet to people yeah. who actually worked on the film yeah. or even just to people who liked yeah. it. I didn't know that um, that uh, Daisy Ridley had already, she had like dis- deactivated her Instagram account a long time ago. Yeah, people mm. were starting to get I, brutal. I didn't know that, mm. you know? Yeah. It, it she means... dared to be a woman protagonist in a Star Wars movie. Oh, God. And, oh, you, can, well, and, you, and you can not like plot points of a movie and, and still not be a dick about it. What's, what's the thing we were watching? The uh, uh, the, the the comedy thing where the guy's doing pitch beatings to himself. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, Vernon introduced me to this. Uh, actually, it's a great oh, it's series on YouTube. This guy does called Pitch Meeting where he plays a Hollywood producer and he plays... Um, a, a, a writer right pitching uh, a movie that's already been made. So he'll pitch Solo. He'll pitch Jurassic Park. He'll pitch Empire Strikes Back. He pitches all these movies that have already come out, and he sits there and brings up the, the contradictions and the um, uh, okay, in, in plot holes. For, for one we've all seen, uh, goes through, uh, um, oh, crap, what's the <laughs> Phantom Menace? He goes to Phantom Menace. And then and oh, he's going to yeah, he talk about the pod radio. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, uh, oh, so we're going to get a teenage Anakin Skywalker and learn about how he learns about the Force. No, we're going to get a 10-year-old Anakin Skywalker so we can attract the kids. Oh, that sounds great. So we're going to attract the kids with what exactly? Politics. Lots and lots of politics. And, you know, he just goes on like that. And, oh, right. kids just love politics. Yes, they do. Right. And, and, here, and then early on in the movie, they're going to do a thing called uh, the user force speed. Oh, that sounds useful. I bet they're going to use that later and be important. They'll honestly never use it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, they'll be fighting battle droids. Battle droids? They sound like badass warriors. I bet they'll be a a fight not at all <laughs> yeah. actually what what's what's his he's got a he's got a uh, tagline he's not tagline he's got his uh punchline he uses all the time it's a uh, it's like barely an inconvenience yeah, yeah. barely an barely an inconvenience that and, and uh, something along the lines of but we don't worry about that or don't think too much about mm-hmm. that something it, it's really but he's got a shitload and, it, they, and it's, it's they're like ten minutes. They're five yeah. minutes. They're really quick. Yeah. His and points are valid, and he's funny, but he's not being a dick about it. He's not being a dick, and he's not hating. He's. It's just like an every movie has those little issues. Affectionate yes. pot shots, and it's it's actually really funny. It's worth checking out. Pitch meeting. Yeah, I like yeah. this already, and and I'm fully convinced that if the internet existed during Empire Strikes Back, we would get just as much hate against oh, Empire. Oh, oh that yeah. you see. 
that meme was somebody put it up on Facebook. And yeah. It's just like, oh, Vader is Luke's father? Wow, what a hater. You just can't stand Star Wars, can you? And that sort of thing. It was just, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. All this I, can, talk I can of, see the social media. They don't know how media. to structure a story. There's no, there's no real plot through it. There's just little vignettes all the way through. It's, yeah. That's what that fire is. Yep. I can just see the social media posts now. Vader is Luke's father. SMH. Well, you and know what? Sad, <laughs> sad tear face. <laughs> at, at the time, I remember thinking that no, nah, Vader's a bad guy. He's lying to Luke. That's yeah. yeah I remember think as a kid going, I don't believe him. He's the bad guy. He's trying to fool you. I'm pretty sure I've said this on the cast before, but when my dad saw it, he goes, "Vader means father in German." Does it really? <laughs> Does yeah, it's like the Vader, but yes. Yeah, well, uh, Vader is uh, Dutch. Mm-hmm. It's it Darth Vader. It's literally Dark Father. Mm-hmm. Dutch and German. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, that's all I did. That's uh, all I can remember. Oh, and a lot of painting. I did a lot of painting. I, I see. Play. I see up on the up in the danger by in danger of being hit by your fan blades up there from this angle. <laughs> Yes, and I've actually got them like a protective coating on them now. Those are the yeah, first we'll ones that I from the fan blades. Done. Uh, you know what? I have such a strong gloss coat of lacquer <laughs> on them. I am not afraid of fan blades touching those sons of bitches. You could throw those things on the battlefield and they won't hurt ever again. I sense a YouTube video now. <laughs> no paint shall ever chip. <laughs> hey, rubbing alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, gentlemen? I'm sure, but keep going. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then we have to do the inevitable. No. No. News you don't give a shit about. <laughs> Michael Bay and his... Go per- no further. And yes. His- <laughs> Done. We, we already know we don't give a shit about it. <laughs> the first sentence is Michael Bay. And his Paramount co-producers are hoping to revive the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in a big way again with a just-announced all-new reboot. A third or fourth reboot on that? I've lost track. <laughs> the new movie, first reported by The Hollywood Reporter, has recruited writer Andrew Dodge, uh, the writer of Bad Words, to pen the script and will be produced by Bay, along with Andrew Frum and Brad Fuller, all of whom produced the last Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle film. The new film comes in the wake of a pair of turtle movies that performed decently at the box office but did exactly appease critics or fans. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles raked in plenty of cash at the global box office when it premiered in 2014, but poor critical response and fan word of mouth may have played a role in the withering legs of its 2016 follow-up, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. Out of the Shadows took in only half the revenue of its predecessor worldwide and once again failed to impress the critics. While the freshly revealed reboot continues with the same production team in place, it brings Dodge's comedic wit to the new script, as well as a recommitment from studio to jumpstart the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise. Teenage Mutant Exploding Turtles. That's the one. As the writer of Bad Words, the 2013 comedy starring Jason Bateman, Dodge garnered a general favorable reviews for bringing a dark humor and whiplash sass to the Bateman-directed low-budget flick. The Hollywood Reporter also notes that a change in leadership at Paramount could raise hopes on how the new project will shape up. 
Both the upcoming film's TMNT predecessors, quote, were made before the arrival of Chairman Jim Giannopoulos, who has made it a priority to clean up the studio's slate and refocus its franchises, unquote. The report says insiders are hoping to bring a patina of quality as they relaunch the franchise, unquote. <laughs> just a patina. Just a patina. <laughs> you mean something that was built up slowly over years by decay? That kind of makes sense in yeah, this case. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, a reboot of Turtles coming to you soon. Yeah, you're right. I didn't from the same about team, that. From the same team that brought you the last two Turtles. And I bought Turtles 2 or 3. Of the original it, set? Yes, way the, back. I mean, I bought, 80s, them, I, I bought the reprints of 1 and 2, I think. But I bought the first one of 3. I mean, I was jumped on out as soon as I saw it. And I loved it. That's Turtles in Time, right? No, no, no. The original, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics. Comics. Oh, okay. okay. Not the yeah, yeah. Out I mean, I've been, I've been following the yeah. turtles since 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 the get go. The Eastman and I have comics. just no interest in these. I mean, ugh. yeah. In the comics. In the movies. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think I know what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You did say, Andy, I have no interest in these. Yeah. And we're like, the comic? Probably probably wasn't as concise as I could have been. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we love you no, all. Yes, the same. I was. Nobody understands. <laughs> I understand me. That's all that matters. Did <laughs> you don't give a shit about the television adaptation of the sci fi movie Snowpiercer? Is having some issues. No. Director Scott Derrickson, this is the director of Doctor Strange, The Day the Earth Stood Still, tweeted that he has refused to film reshoots for the feature-length TNT pilot after Orphan Black co-creator Graham Manson took over as the new showrunner from Josh Friedman. Quote, The 72-page Snowpiercer TV pilot script by Josh Friedman is the best I've ever read. The feature-length pilot I made from that script may be my best work, Derrickson tweeted to his followers. The new feature-length pilot I made from that script... Oh, I said that. The new showrunner has radically has a radically different vision for the show. I'm foregoing my option to direct the extreme reshoots, unquote. News of the project was first announced last May, and Deadline reports that Friedman left in January amid creative differences, with Manson being quickly roped in and to replace him. The show is based on Bong Joon-ho's 2013 movie, set in a post-apocalyptic world. The TV series is set seven years after the original movie took place in 2031, where a new ice age has hit the Earth, which has now become a frozen, solid wasteland. The series will center on survivors who inhabit a gigantic, perpetually moving train that circles the globe, where the rich live at the front of the train while the poor are relegated to the tail end, igniting a class warfare. It's not the first time Friedman has left a project under somewhat of a cloud. He previously departed NBC's Emerald City, also due to creative differences in 2015, before it eventually aired last year. Although Friedman hasn't addressed the Snowpiercer fiasco directly, he tweeted earlier this month, quote, but I lose my job for not pushing the mystery story fast enough, unquote. The original movie got itself off to a rocky start when distributor Harvey Weinstein ordered 20 minutes of the movie to be cut 
and it was widely reported at the time that director Bong declined, prompting a delay in the release. Subsequently, a free Snowpiercer petition campaign demanding the director's cut of the film to be released in the U.S. was created by cinematic activist Denise Heard Bashir. It was eventually given a director's cut release, but only in selected cinemas. Hmm. So mm. I have no memory of something called Emerald. What is it? Emerald Emerald City? City? Emerald City. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. It apparently was a short-lived NBC series, I think it was on NBC, mm. um, about Portland? Emerald City from Wizard of Oz. Oh. Okay. Yeah. No. We, you'd think we would know about that, but we didn't. Hmm. So, so I'm trying to see what year that was. is a sequel to Snowpiercer. Yes. That takes place later on where the same situation is. Yeah, you said, I mean, at the end of, sorry, spoiler for the original movie, um, the, the, I say it doesn't end at the end of Snowpiercer. I think you might see one plant or something, but that doesn't mean the whole Ice Age ends. We right. have to assume that suddenly it thawed in seven years and refroze? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Wow. I don't know. Wow. All I know is the director hates the new cuts, hates the new things added, hates the reshoots. Always a good sign. Always a good sign. You know what is a good sign? Weekend Geek! Yay! So quickly. So qu- You're right. For two weeks, two yeah. items. Yeah. It's amazing. We're just amazing. bursting with love. <laughs> this is true. I'm In always bursting holes. with love. Ear love. You're right. Ear love. <laughs> Emerald City only had 10 episodes. Yeah. And, it was, and it actually was January through March of last year. <laughs> wow. No wonder if we been left. Were they aired in order? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> it's amazing how often that happens, especially when you shoot the whole series up front before yeah. airing it, and then the studio goes, "Oh, this is oh, like that doesn't match the story arc, you idiots." The forty-fourth annual Saturn Awards were held in Burbank, California, celebrating the very best in genre film and television, including five awards for Black Panther, the most wins of the evening. Ryan Coogler was on hand to accept the Best Director Award, and the film also won for Best Comic-to-Film Motion Picture, Best Supporting Actress, Best Production Design, and Best Makeup. Blade Runner 2049 won for Best Science Fiction Film, The Shape of Water for Best Fantasy Film Award, and Get Out for Best Horror Film, Coco for Best Animated Film, and The Greatest Showman? That's the um, Hugh Jackman Barnum, Barnum thing. E. Barnum. One best action adventure film? Wow. <laughs> I don't understand that. It's a musical, but okay. Sure. Why I not? mean, I never saw it. Maybe it's full of action and adventure. I know it's full of dancing. Nice. Yes. Yes, it is. Other notable film winners included Best Actress for Gal Gadot for Wonder Woman, Best Supporting Actor for Patrick Stewart and Logan. Best Performance by a Younger Actor for Tom Holland in Spider-Man Homecoming, and Best Actor for Mark Hamill for Star Wars The Last Jedi. Uh, Best Writing went for Ryan Johnson for Star Wars The Last Jedi and Editing for the same film. Best Music for Michael Giacchino for Coco, and Best Special Effects for Chris Townsend, Guy Williams, Jonathan Faulkner, and Dan Sudik for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. You want to pronounce that name properly for him? Nope. Nope. On the TV side, the Orville landed Best Science Fiction TV Series, The Walking Dead won for Best Horror TV Series, Better Call Saul for Best Action Thriller TV Series, and Outlander for Best TV Fantasy Series. The the Patrick Stewart Award was well-deserved. I agree. He was amazing amazing in Logan. What did Gal Gadot win for? 
Wonder Woman. The 2017 movie. What, what, what is the Probably t- these were things since the last Saturn Awards. Right. Yeah, they usually run on that okay. one-year cycle. Okay. Wow. But yeah, his, his performance, I mean, heartbreaking alone, but... You know, if you have ever been around someone who is slowly succumbing to dementia, oh yeah, he was spot on because when they go through that awareness of the fact that they are losing pieces of themselves, and when he has his breakdown in the movie, I almost had to leave the theater. Mm. I literally almost did, but I stuck through it, and he he really did put in an amazing performance. I don't know what research he did on that, but man, yeah. that man. That man could act. He really can. Everything I've seen him in, I've, I've, I've loved. But that was probably, at least to me personally, one of the most powerful performances I've ever seen out of him. And I'm, and I'm a big Next Gen fan, too. So that's sure. saying a lot. Development on Steven Spielberg's forthcoming Indiana Jones 5 is ramping up. Citing multiple unnamed sources, Collider reports that uh, they're going to do cryptocurrency. I mean, Yay! <laughs> Indiana dollars. <laughs> reports that solo A Star Wars Stories of Jonathan Kasdan is replacing David Cope uh, as screenwriter for the still-untitled fifth installment. Uh, Cope wrote Crystal Skull. Uh, the report doesn't mention the circumstances surrounding Cope's reported departure. And the details are super light, without any confirmation from Disney and Lucasfilm. Now, Jonathan Kasdan penned the solo screenplay alongside his father, Star Wars screenwriting legend Lawrence Kasdan. Who also had something to do with Raiders, didn't he? I believe so, Lawrence yes. Uh, I think, yeah, I did Raiders. Sorry to derail. No, that's all right. That's, that's fine. Maybe I was going to say that later. The report mentions he doesn't <laughs> speculate on whether Lucasfilm might be tapping the elder Kasdan, who also wrote the screenplay for the original Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> <laughs> Spielberg is also returning to direct the fifth Indiana Jones movie with Harrison Ford once again in the titular role. Oh my God! Shooting on the project is expected to begin in April of 2019. Oh, for God's sake! Yeah, Harrison, they pushed it back. Be careful! A while. Oh no! <laughs> oh, Luke, Lucasfilm targeting a release window of summer 2020. He's, watch, watch the doorways, Harrison. He's yes. what 78, 75, oh, 78. Oh, don't one tell. of those two. Um, One of those two. I'd have to Don't tell up. me the odds. <laughs> I think he was 34 when he filmed Star Wars. Nah. <laughs> the perfect name for uh, a modern day Prometheus. Indiana Jones film. Oh. No, uh, Indiana Jones and the Thumb Drive of Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The cryptocurrency. You got to get those blockchains. <laughs> Can't find it anywhere. Well, that's he's because 70. it exists in the internet. Yes, but the inter- the internet's right there. Why isn't it there? No, <laughs> because it Inside, doesn't exactly exist. Yeah, it, on it's there. not. It's it's just bits of information. Well, we gotta collect the bits. No, <laughs> you you you. He uh, has chosen poorly. <laughs> According to this, he is seventy five. Seventy five. He turned seventy six on July thirteenth. I tried to go in the computer room, but the heat drove me back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Harrison. I love the man. But be careful. Please be careful. (laughs) No experimental planes for two years. Uh, No promises. Not to mention he had... Yeah, we don't have to worry about his plane. It's it's rolling doors that were his bane. Yeah, the freaking Millennium Falcon. Yeah, so roll down on you. Crap broke his leg. The Star Trek TV universe 
is about to get a whole lot bigger. Yeah. Yes. CBS recently announced that the newly appointed Star Wars. Uh, Jesus Christ. It's nowhere near the hour now. No, 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 nowhere near. I, 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 this is rust. A week of rust. That's all this is. <laughs> patina. Shake off the patina. Patina. <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek Discovery showrunner Alex Kurtzman inked a five-year, $25 million deal with CBS Networks to expand the Star Trek franchise for the small screen. The news arrives just after it was announced that Kurtzman would be taking over as showrunner for Discovery. The series, uh, set roughly a decade before original Star Trek, became the flagship program for the network streaming service, everyone's favorite, CBS All Access. Discovery's previous showrunners, Aaron Hart Herberts and Gretchen Berg, were recently fired during production of its sophomore season over a mixture of budgetary concerns and alleged mistreatment of the staff. Well, nothing's been confirmed at this point. Uh, this will most certainly include developing multiple new Trek shows. Variety has reported on a list of possible projects in the works. Some that may be on the table include a series set within Starfleet Academy, courtesy of Steph uh, Stephanie Strange and Josh Schwartz, the creative, creative minds behind Marvel's Runaways. There's also a possible limited series about uh, Khan. Uh, no word, though, if this has anything to do with writer-director Nicholas Meyer's concentric movie trilogy, which was last reported to be in development limbo. Perhaps the most noteworthy rumor comes from The Hollywood Reporter, which mentions talk of Patrick Stewart reviving his role of Captain Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm. Uh, one thing we do know is that in addition to, be, to helming Discovery, Kurtzman will also be directing season two premiere, which is set to resume where season one left off with this crew of USS Discovery picking up a distress call from one Captain Pike. Ooh. Kurtzman has a considerable history with Star Trek in both the big and small screen, in addition to co-creating the prequel series with Hannibal showrunner Brian Fuller. He wrote and produced 2009 Star Trek and its sequel, Star Trek Into Darkness. Kurtzman. Yeah. The new Roddenberry. There's another rumor going around that uh, they might attempt to do a... Uh, the, the talks with Patrick Stewart could lead into a... Uh, animated Star Trek The Next Generation series that would take place post-Nemesis. And that way they I could... I could get behind this full. Yeah, oh, uh, me totally. Because, yeah. I mean, a lot of people like to bag on the, the original Star Trek animated series. There's some really good stories in there. Yeah, there are. And, uh, you know, it would work on so many levels because the cast wouldn't necessarily all need to meet up together at the same time to the recordings. Uh, shoot, the precedent was set with the original Star Trek animated series. The studio sent tape recorders with scripts to the individual actors wherever they were at. They would read their lines into the recorders and then send it back to the stu to filmation. I, I think and that's they, how they worked it in. I think it'd be a little more... Oh yeah, it, it I, would, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. a little more professional these days. But that's what I'm saying is I, it would be it's easier to do that kind of stuff now. But I bet uh, you, Michael Dorn would love it. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> no <laughs> makeup chair. Yes. Yeah. That, I was gonna say that as well as uh, Brent Spiner because he's yeah. he feels he's aged out of being able to play Data, yeah. mm -hmm. but he would definitely reprise the role as a as a voice. Yeah. So he could do Data's voice. And, and not have any problems. And there's plenty of stories to choose from in the extended universe of yeah. novels of Star Trek. 
Yeah. Well, isn't that Star Trek Legends? In the next uh, next uh, one I have here, uh, all Star Trek books are now relegated to Legends. Um, they're going in a whole new direction. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. I'm sorry. I That's all right. Up. That's I, all right. It's beautiful. I, I andied your joke. That's I all right. Just, I totally andied no, it. You, you took it and gave it a kiss. And I Boy, so, you don't like it when you see no, it, do you? It's, it's so not many, pretty. So many things are andied. I mean, it's, yeah. just, it's, just, it's just a... It is a very versatile, a versatile word. It's a word. noun. Yeah. It's a verb. <laughs> it's it's a catastrophe. It's a calamity. Apparently, it's a disease that can pass on other people and make them spill. <laughs> and well, if you add L-Y, it's You know, amazing. everybody, you store the DNA. Of, uh, yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love this next story as a lover that is of... an inside Facebook joke there, my friend. <laughs> Hi, Celestia. <laughs> this next story is for all you bad horror lovers out there and lovers of... Uh, 90s television. Shudder, that's the horror cable channel, if you get it, is bringing back 90s Monster Vision host and good old boy Joe Bob Briggs. Yes! Whoa. For a Friday the 13th movie marathon. Beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday, July 13th, Joe Bob Briggs will be hosting 24 solid hours of horror including his classic drive-in totals at the end, of course, for the last time. A deadpan trailer dweller, Briggs led a horror cult for a decade and a half that included guests like Wes Craven and John Waters. Now, with the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs, the host is coming back for one last hurrah, or 13 last hurrahs, since that's how many movies we'll be playing on Shudder. Wow. So far, the itinerary consists of Tourist Trap, Sleepaway Camp, and Basket Case. Wow. Great hmm. yeah. schlock pieces of horror. Yes, definitely. So, oh, I thought it was all the Friday the 13th movies. So did I at first, and then, uh, but I, I actually like this idea better. Okay. Yeah. Uh, More range. Exactly. So if you're interested, again, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday, July 13th, 24 hours of Joe Bob Briggs hosting horror films on Shudder. I, I mean, I, DVRs accordingly. Yeah, really. I, right. I experienced Joe Bob as a writer first, as a movie reviewer, and so I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I realize a lot of people know him as his host thing, but that was something that. Yes, he, yeah, he, right. He was a very much a movie critic earlier too, and he was also. Uh, but he did the, the Joe uh, Bob thing as a movie critic. I mean, he's actually what the hell is his real name? I can't remember now. Joe Bloom? I don't know. Uh, yeah, Bloom is his last name. Yeah. He was also the host in the earlier days of The Daily Show of a segment called God Stuff. Really? Yes. I don't remember. I didn't see that at all. Which I highly re- recommend checking out. It just makes fun of all the TV preachers that were happening on smaller channels at the time. Mm. And you can still catch a lot of that stuff on YouTube. That's out there. Check out God Stuff from Daily Show. John Irving Bloom is his real name. And I think he went by John Bloom for God's stuff. I think so. Okay. But Joe Bob Briggs, that's how he's remembered. In fact, the only reason I own the detestable film I Spit on Your Grave mm-hmm. in my DVD collection is because Joe Bob Briggs does a commentary track on that oh, film. Holy wow. shit. So, wow, what a combination. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wow. That's how much I love the man. According to The Rap... 2018's quarter two has seen the biggest quarter in box office sales ever recorded. 
This is welcome news to Hollywood executives who last year oversaw the worst summer movie season in over 10 years, fiscally speaking. Now, gross ticket sales are up roughly 23% from last year, with about $6 billion sold since 2018 began. With a barrage of big tentpole sequels like Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, Incredibles 2, Avengers Infinity War hitting theaters, fans have been filling theater seats for weeks on end in record numbers. It started back in late April when Infinity War kicked off an early summer movie season, drawing in over $250 million on its opening weekend. It's gone on to become the fastest movie to make a billion dollars internationally. Uh, just three weeks later, Deadpool 2 came in, blazing with record-setting numbers for an R-rated movie. Since then, The Incredibles opened to a record-breaking weekend of its own, while Fallen Kingdom has continued to rake in cash. Even John Krasinski's A Quiet Place, which was a smaller production and not part of a franchise, topped the $100 million mark. And although Solo fell short on its Star Wars-level expectations, it has contributed more than $200 million so far. So, biggest... Yeah. Quarter ever. That's and we, nuts. And we still have Ant-Man and the Wasp sure. coming up this Friday. And, and, let's, and let's face it, things kind of trickled down from here. What do we have right. left after that? Mission Impossible? Is um, there any big tentpole film after that? I'm trying to remember the release schedule. There's like there's a couple movies here and there, I think, in between Ant-Man and... Uh, oh, I'm sure there are, but I can't think of I, big I, releases. No, that's what I'm trying to rack my brain mm-hmm. and think, because I know there's a couple. There's got to be a couple major ones. Because at August, there's like a smattering at the beginning, like one or two films, and that's kind of the the, the last hurrah. In fact, mm-hmm. I think Ant-Man was originally... No, it was Guardians of the Galaxy that was an August picture back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally Ant-Man's shocked big, everybody. Ant-Man's not a big film. Sorry? Yeah, I mean, it's not a big film. It's That's, small. Because it's, it's Ant-Man. <laughs> got it. Got it. Yeah. Are, you, are you kidding? It is a giant man of a film. Yes, you're right. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that whole thing in the trailer. And, and it stars two wasps. I don't even know if they're wasps. Uh, we're no, topical. I don't think he is. No, he is not. No. <laughs> Wait, Michael. No. That's another. Oh yeah, See, <laughs> Kirk all, Douglas. These are all movies we've already uh, had. Uh, Ivan, yeah. something or other. Yeah, Ivan laughs a lot. He was a he was a, a Russian Jew. Yeah, Russian Jew. <laughs> <laughs> then he came to America and slowed down. Uh, you. Uh, all right. I yeah, Ant Man and the Wasp, Mission Sparta, Impossible, yes. Fallout. 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 That it's called Mission Impossible. Oh, okay, Fallout. Gotcha. That's, that's, Mission, oh, you got um, me excited there for a second. Fallout. Uh, you Mission know, Impossible. I'm not seeing any major releases until the Keanu Reeves film Replicas in August. And that's and, and that's is that considered a major release? Right, like like monster big. Release? It's not ringing a bell to me at all. Yeah, this is kind of the first time I'm hearing well, of it. I'm, the list that I'm looking on it says major summer releases. So. Mm. You know, somebody's considering it uh, a major. It's from Esquire, so. Well, there you go, Esquire. The but that's they the know. that is literally the they last know. film that they list as far as summer, summer hmm. movies. All right, it's been a couple weeks, which means we've lost people. Oh, and yeah, we lost we a big one. Yes, we lost a big one. You mean aside from Matt? Aside from Matt. Oh no, Matt's still with us. Is he? I don't. Oh. Well, not currently. He's doing important things. Oh, I see. Doing responsible adult things, trying to trying sure. to better his life and all that crazy stuff. <laughs> what a stupid responsible, crazy adult. Canadian sci-fi pioneer Harlan Ellison has passed away. 
The prolific, award-winning author died this week at the age of 84. So, Harrison Ford's good, is what I'm saying. It's good. He lived a life. (laughs) Yeah, he lived a life. Ellison's Mm. lengthy writing career spanned more than 60 years, from his early start in comics in the 1950s into more recent endeavors. Ellison is responsible for some of sci-fi's best-loved short stories, including the post-apocalyptic I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream, and the anti-authoritarian satire Repent Harlequin, said the TikTok man, which earned both Nebula and Hugo Awards. Ellison wrote scripts for one of the best-remembered of all episodes of the original Star Trek television series, the fan-favorite City on the Edge of Forever. Which he hated. (laughs) And lent his talent to a lengthy string of additional television shows, including the 1960s uh, The Flying Nun. Yeah. Oh, he wrote for a lot of TV series. Route 66, The Outer Limits, The Man from UNCLE, and The Alfred Hitchcock Hour. He also appeared on the nascent sci-fi channel's Sci-Fi Buzz through the mid-1990s, discussing in his trademark curmudgeonly fashion the genre news of the day, kind of like an angry old man version of us. Yeah. 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 Did you ever read uh, The Glass Teeth? No, but... uh, No, I'm thinking of something different. Uh, I've I've had one of those little ceramic mug teats. Yeah, exactly. No, he wrote... uh, He wrote uh, in... uh, I'm not sure what it was actually. Probably some... Alt Weekly of the time, but there's two there's two paperbacks of it that are collections of his columns. Yeah, and they were TV film reviews. collar for uh, yeah. It was it was it was it was it was fantasy TV show and science reviews. fiction magazine. Is that what it was? Same fantasy, yeah. So, but I mean, just brutal. And then like there's there's like one two part one where he goes in and deconstructs something he wrote, and it goes through the whole what he wrote and why he wrote it for some show you've never heard of it's like the young lawyers or something like that because there was a whole run when he was in the middle of writing where everything was the young this and the young that but yeah just astounding film criticism and just brutal i i think i did read that one because i do have the, the first couple hardbacks of the edge works which was a collection of all of ellison's writing both mm-hmm. fiction and nonfiction, and i'm pretty sure glass tea was in that yeah. first one yeah. that and uh he has a Book, uh, one of his books called Strange Wine, which has one of the greatest uh, introductions to any books. This whole thing deconstructing. Uh, well, the, the line is uh, the dinosaurs had no strange wine, no imagination, and they patented it and they died out. You don't look so terrific yourself. Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, that's good. And then the, the, that book has one of the greatest short horror stories ever. It has a whole short story collection called through A to Z in the chocolate alphabet, where he just went through every letter of the alphabet and wrote a short story, a horror story, a short speculative fiction story for that letter. And some are just like two sentences long, and some are several pages long. Huh. But, but the elevator people just creeps me out every time I read it. I read it when he, the day he died. Um, oh, wow. And Pipe may I put a little post of it on the layer. Yeah, A to Z was uh, one of his publicity things where he sat in the storefront window of the bookstore. Ah, I heard about just, that. And wrote the stories. Yeah. And he just You could come see Harlan Ellison in the bookstore window writing his next. Yeah. Typing away on a real typewriter back when you didn't have an option but for a real typewriter. <laughs> come see the author, author. Yeah, he's so fun. he's a brilliant writer, but bitter, cranky old oh, man. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> so I, known for it. The the last time I saw him at the Star Trek con, he actually got up and left the stage mid panel, <laughs> like like not in a like not, a angry not, rage, just like he was done talking, and so he just left. Not, mm-hmm. not surprised. He was, he was done as he, like because uh, I, I forget. Uh, 
the the Croatian co-founder's name that was doing the interview was running the paddle. I think it was Adam at the time. So it was just the interview Adam. and him. So yeah. So it's it's Adam. Oh, Ma- that's I, even better. I'm I'm 99 certain it was Adam Malin, but it was Adam Malin behind this like talk show style desk. Which first of all, I was like, really? But whatever. You know, that's how they wanted to do the panels that year. So he's behind the desk asking Harlan Ellison questions as he sits on the 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 talk show host couch there and he's got his little briefcase with him and at one point he uh, he finished one of the questions and not so much angrily but just kind of looked irritated got up picked his briefcase up and walked off stage yep. and Adam's like uh Harlan <laughs> and then after like a couple of it's like okay well I guess he's gone so <laughs> We'll finish this panel and move on to the next one. Wow. It, just yep. crack, it cracked me up. Yep. Uh, Andy and I, our uh, crazy libertarian friend, uh, actually had an encounter with Ellison. Oh. Uh, he uh, he'd just gotten out of, uh, well, no, not just, but he was in the Air Force, our, our friend, and he uh, actually organized a dinner and i forget the context but he invited ellison to attend this dinner thing with a few air force officers some teachers from the academy or something and at one point they got into a discussion about mccarthyism and it got a little heated and ellison was just like at the end it was the darkest period in american history and apparently our provocateur friend went, well, I think there are a few thousand Indians on the Trail of Tears who might actually argue <laughs> yeah. with you. Oh, and Ellis, no. he said Ellison jumped across the table and wrapped his hands around his neck. Oh, wow. And these Air Force officers had to pull him off. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I do wonder what's going to happen with his with his books now because his he has resisted having his stuff uh, made into movies or TV for a long time because he doesn't want well, people yeah, he's, monkeying with it. Yeah, he's he's constantly talked about, like in any of the interviews and panels I've seen him on about, you know, how he feels he's gotten screwed over by mm-hmm. this, that, and the other thing throughout his career. And but like they, they always want him to do stuff for free, like interviews and... Or, you know, they want him to come do a book signing, but they don't want to pay him and yada, yada, yada. And so of all the writers out there, I am one more than any other one. I'm 100 convinced, 100 percent convinced Ellison has a literary will. Yeah. Yeah. You think and so? A, and He's exe- got to have and, one. And a, an executor in place for his literary will. Well, his wife probably. is probably... Yeah. Probably. We'll see. It'll be interesting if he was, if he's like, well, after I'm dead, go ahead. You know, just Perhaps. whatever you need, honey, to, to survive. Perhaps. Yep. But at the same time, you could certainly see him say, yeah, but fuck that. There is a deep library of things that could be that be, could be adapted. I mean, I just, oh, yeah. I mean, just his failed TV pilot, and I failed his... I can't remember what happened to the Star Lost, but I'd, I would love to see the Star Lost adapted to something. Oh, it... it, it. It ran for part of a season. Did it actually? They yeah. filmed it. I yeah, they filmed it. Oh yeah, they filmed it. Wow, I saw it. Really? I didn't when know I was that. a kid. Yeah. Wow. That it's before your guys' time. Yeah. Oh. It was. Um, <laughs> it's a cool yeah. concept. I mean, it's very much a concept of its time. It was a Saturday morning uh, show. Was it Saturday morning? I didn't realize yeah. that. I'm pretty sure. Okay, it was so called the, the Star Loss. Yeah, it's the a Star Loss. It's, it's a, a it's, it's a world ship story. Yeah, and all the cultures in it. It, it's one of those classic, they have forgotten that they're on a world ship. 
Right. And I mean, so the, the, all the cultures are uh, they they think they're just in their world, and they slowly discover that they're not, and it's a journey because something's wrong with the ship, and they have to actually right, fix the, it. The, and Kier Delay plays a uh, Amish guy, yeah, who uh, has to who leads the you know typical motley crew i remember seeing a clip of this yeah with him yeah and it was yeah. old this is old school video quality right some of the earliest work in chroma key with uh doing all the green screen or, mm. or back then blue screen uh, con- uh effects stuff and everything mm-hmm. it, and his his telling of uh of of the botched botching the star lost is one hell of a one right. hell of an essay because that's what i have i have the that book that talks about that and then it has the pilot i think yeah it does have the pilot pilot script yeah yeah um yeah. and a uh, little known thing i don't even know if you have it todd he i thought you were going here originally andy he 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 did audio readings of his own work mm. oh okay. grammy nominated yes. for spoken voice yeah did he win i think he might have won it I, I i don't know if he won or not i think he i mean I think he, he, won it. I think he was up against like ralph richardson and stuff like that in 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 and you know and i think he was nominated more than once but yeah mm-hmm. a saturn a bradbury prometheus winner as well as six-time bram stoker award winner Elson's work has been widely recognized from both within sci-fi genre as well as other larger creative community. Elson has been honored in nearly every major sci-fi organization and writers group. As an Ohio native, Ellison was born in Cleveland, 1934, moving early to New York before heading to Hollywood, where he remained a California resident throughout his award-winning career. The author of more than 1,700 works, many of them sci-fi short stories, Ellison was the winner of eight Hugo Awards, including a shared award for his screenplay of A Boy and His Dog. Also the only author ever to have won three Nebula Awards for Best Short Story. So I don't have the Grammy thing on here. Mm. I'm, I'm, lo- <laughs> I'm looking at his awards right now. Fact check Jeff wow. is checking. Mm. Hugo Awards, Ray Bradbury Awards, Fantasy Award Life Achievement. I mean, the list is going on and oh, on yeah. here. Getting deja vu. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel it. Um, uh, Writers Guild of America Award for Television yeah. Achievement. Including uh, that, I believe, also. Uh, he had was a Hugo Demon and a glass WGA for City on the Edge of Forever. Oh, so did the Demon with the Glass Hand win anything or no? No, no. That's that. That's and, on YouTube, by that the way. That and I found Soldier on ah. um, yeah, are the Outer Limits episodes that James Cameron uh, was mined for, uh, for, for Terminator. Yeah, for Terminator. I don't see any Academy of Television. Dun, dun, dun. So yeah. it's, it's it's music. It's possible he was Grammy, nominated and Grammy. didn't win. But yeah, I, I have a lot was. of books in my room, uh, but I have one whole shelf that's nothing but Lovecraft, and have another whole shelf that's nothing but Ellison. Yep. Wow. I've but, seen it. Yeah. Everything else is sort of scattered. A few of this, a few of that. And Ellison's know. been suggested a few times for the book club. Yeah, you have a feeling it's gonna. Get yeah. another push here. Before I would long. imagine so. Yeah, uh, strange wine. I, I'm, I'm nominating strange wine right now. Well, you can't right now because we're doing Nine Princes in Amber by Roger Zelazny. Next Is month, he our strange first wine. repeat offer. Zelazny, because he wrote Lord of Light. That's right. I think he is our first repeat author. Yay! Um, the, no, wait a second. Did we have another Stephen King? Oh, yeah. It's a, he's our second repeat author. Oh, Stephen King. 
How typical. Because we did the Owen King and Stephen King uh, collaboration. Was it oh. Stephen Beauties. King or Richard Bachman? Hmm. Stephen King okay. writing his Richard okay. Bachman. Yeah. Just that. Okay. Fine. Sure. <laughs> I thought I was being clever. You are. And that's appreciated. Cleverness is always appreciated. Yeah, I, w- I, I would have expected that from Andy. Yeah, yeah, I, I was too. I did was, I? Did I was kind of surprised I didn't was, say it. Was, was it? Was it me that smothered it with the pillow this time? <laughs> you pillowed Andy. Andy no, opened no, his no, mouth yeah. and blurred. No. We did lose a few others this week. Uh, actor and Guinness Book of World Records holder Mike Lanier, one of the tallest identical twins in the world, has died at age forty-eight. Hard to make your mark on the movies. Even harder to do it in a single role. But that's exactly what seven foot, foot seven Lanyard did with his turn as the giant man of David Roberts Mitchell's It Follows, his only appearance in a major film. Hmm. Uh, also, stage, film, and TV actor Stanley Anderson died on June 24th at age 78 after a six-week battle with brain cancer. Anderson, a 20-year veteran of the stage, best known for his performances in TV as the judge in the Seinfeld finale, former caretaker Delbert Grady in the Shining miniseries, and as one-off agent in the X-Files and film, as the president in both Michael Bay's Armageddon and The Rock. Anderson also played General Slocum in 2002's Spider-Man. Slocum was a business rival of Norman Osborn, who was an early victim of the Green Goblin. Mm -hmm. And finally... Land of the Giants star Deanna Lund died on June 22nd. She was 81 years old. The series, created by Irwin Allen, followed the crew and passengers of the Spindrift as they get sucked into a magnetic storm and end up in a different planet, one where the inhabitants are 12 times the size of the average Earthling. The series aired from 1968 to 1970, but was set in 1983. 50, oh, we have the future. Right. 51 episodes were produced, but it was canceled because it cost around $250,000 per episode. God! A record at the time. Oh, that's so expensive. Mm. Lund played Valerie Scott, a selfish party girl who became a likable team player over the course of the series. Lund had a career that spanned 50 years. She played the Riddler's girl, Anna Graham, on the 1967 Batman TV series and appeared in a 1978 episode of The Incredible Hulk. She appeared in Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine, which starred Vincent Bryce, uh, Sting of Death, about a killer mutant jellyfish, Dimension 5, a spy thriller in which time travel is used to thwart Chinese operatives, Italian horror film Superstition 2, and Christmas horror film Elves. Her last credited project was 2015's Boned. In 1992, Lund wrote a Land of the Giants novella titled Valerie in Giantland. Hmm. I've never seen an episode of Land of the Giants. It sounds fun. I, I used to watch it as a kid, and I have no memory what actually happens. I just remember that I was—I remember the theme song being exciting to me, and the logo yeah. being this big rock thing that said "Great Land of the Giants." Yeah, it's, uh, I watched it. I remember it vaguely. Tons. Tons of, you know, giant-sized set pieces. So they're walking around, you know, cups. They're holding pencils like spears, things like that. Uh, that's like the the most vivid thing I remember about mm. that show. I think Sci-Fi ran it like early in their morning lineup. 
for like a while, like on a weekdays. Okay. I, I remember catching a couple episodes of it on there. It's sort of mixed up with Time Tunnel for me, which yeah. is the yeah. same, same sort of time thing. Time Tunnel, 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 Yeah, tunnel. the same. But I remember sitting down and watching it because, oh, here comes the music, but I don't remember the episodes at all because I was tiny then. You were tiny? I was a kid. I was oh, little. Really? Are you sure? We thought you were older than Dirt. Yes. I thought you were just smaller. It was his second childhood. Oh, okay. It was regeneration? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go. AMC theaters may be giving movie pants. Before you hop on to Off of the Desk, I want to mention Greg Thielen. <laughs> Sorry, man. You what, mentioned what, what do you want to mention? Greg Fool? Greg Thielen is a comic book writer that um, I knew vaguely. I, oh. I, I, I think I had lunch with him once. Um, but uh, he was actually worked with Celestia on a project for a while. Uh, his big thing was uh, Amanda Green, SIA, which is a superhuman in, uh, insurance agency. Uh, he wasn't very old. He would be just, I'm not sure what he passed, some sort of disease passed away from, but uh, oh. a couple of weeks ago. Actually, right before the last time we recorded. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So, uh, nice guy and good writer, but they never made it huge. He's never big, but still. Still good to be remembered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Sorry. Carry on. That's all right. AMC theaters don't care. Yeah, they don't care. AMC theaters may be giving Movie Pass a run for its money. Yeah, I heard about this. For those looking to see all those summer blockbusters without breaking the bank, the movie theater chain has announced it is adding a new tier to its AMC Stubbs reward program. The AMC Theaters is offering AMC Stubbs A-List, which enables guests to see up to three movies per week, along with the benefits of AMC Stubbs premiere for $19.95 per month. Though AMC Stubbs A-list participants can see movies at any available showtime, any AMC location, in the following formats included IMAX, Dolby Cinema, Real 3D, Prime at AMC, and The Big D. I, I don't know what that is at AMC, but... D stands for dick. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> in addition to seeing up... To three movies per week, AMC Stubbs A-list members also get the benefits of the Stubbs premiere, including free upgrades on popcorn and soda, free refills on large popcorn, express service at the box office, and concession stand, no online ticketing fees, and 100 points for every $1 spent at the AMC Stubbs A-list monthly fee and food and beverage spending at the theater. Uh, although the nearly $20 per month subscription fee is more than Movie Pass's monthly $9.95, uh, when you consider that a ticket for seeing AMC in New York is currently $16.29, AMC Stubbs is already saving you money. If you see two films in in a month, you're good. Right. I know this is, the math is wrong on this, but for some reason I'm more interested in this than the other thing because this is believable. The other thing is this seems the, completely unsupportable, and I don't know oh, how the, the hell they're the, doing it. The, the movie dollars a month? Yeah. yeah. And but, yeah, when I heard about this, I'm like, oh, I should do that. Wait, that's well, more. also, that's this more is for, less for this more. is AMC's own thing, right? As opposed to Movie Pass, which is some strange exchange of money between the Movie Pass company and the movies. I, I don't I fucking, think they're using Collider. Uh, oh, crypto, crypto, right, crypto, cash, crypto, crypto yeah. tickets, yeah. cryptix. Um, yeah, no, what they're really what they're really selling with that other thing is they're selling your information, is what it is. They're, they they really are. Getting your demographics, data mining, yeah, data yeah. mining it. location information, what theaters you go to frequently, what movies you see, right, your age range, so they can sell it to the yeah. You aren't the customer, you're telemarketers the telemarketers and so I, forth. I, I've become totally lazy because actually AMC took over Town Square 
Long time which ago. Which is one of my favorite movie theaters until Galaxy Luxury opened. Mm-hmm. And that's around the corner from my house. Sure. Right. So Town Square is clear across town. <clears throat> and I, I'm yeah, sort of like a whole four miles. I, I don't I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna go over there to see movies. Not when you can go around the block. Yeah. To so, a, a comfortable theater. I'm right. I'm torn. It's the parking, isn't it? I think even Cinemark has a has a movie program similar to that because uh, I have their app for rewards. Like you know, when I buy tickets and whatnot, I can get free popcorn every now and then or free sodas, etc. But they have like a, a whole movie ticket program now too, where yeah. um, like if you book your tickets through their app, there's no booking fees and then discounts on concessions and then a certain amount of free tickets every month. That I I had looked into doing it at one point until I just decided that galaxy is where i want to just continue going to see my movies that says a lot about a theater yeah wow and i like you know like you know cinemark has the orleans and they're all luxury recliners now and then the the five dollar tick 525 tickets on tuesdays but i work on tuesdays so Ah. can't can't take advantage of it all right this next story i thought of you jeff okay this this is this is a jeff story through and through all right. Space camp. CBS Consumer Products and Silver Screen Bottling Company have teamed up to unveil James T. Kirk Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Yep. <laughs> I actually know all about this. It's pretty interesting. The first spirit to be released under the new Star Trek branded spirits line. This officially licensed liquor is selected from barrels aged between 4 and 12 years. The website for the bourbon boasts the spirit celebra- celebrates Kirk's bold spirit of adventure. Whatever that means. Star Trek veterans Michael Akuda. It tastes and- like vaginal yeast. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the beer that they're Oh. That reminds me. I forgot to put that story in here. <laughs> well, <laughs> we got it. That one grows on you. Yeah. Oh. It, it was in the lair. They, it, everybody's read it now. Oh, no. Not everybody. <laughs> There's only 300 people in the lair. Yeah. We have more listeners yeah, than that. Yeah, we have that. a lot more listeners That's than that. That's true. I hope. Star Trek veterans Michael Akuda and Doug Drexler contributed to the design of the bottle. Each batch of James T. Kirk straight bourbon whiskey has hints of caramel, Asian five spice, and pecan. Excuse me, Asian five spice? That's what it said. Asian five spice. I don't yep. know what it means. I'm reading what is, it said. Is that a thing, Jeff? You're asking, you're asking yes. you know what it is. There's, what there's, is it? I don't know the specific five spices, but there's in a lot of, a especially spe- like specific. Chinese cooking, there's, there's a five spice blend that they... It's like a dry rub they use on a lot of so different things, it's, like ribs it's like and so the, forth. It's like the Colonel's secret sauce here, the Colonel's seven spices sure. or whatever, herbs and spices there. Gotcha. <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, I suppose I could look up and find out what the exact five spices are, but typically, like with bourbon, when they're talking about all those tasting notes, it comes from the wood that they age it in. Like the, what do they say, walnuts in there, right? It's Kirk. Pecan. Pecans. It's, it's Kirk. Pe- what kind of wood are we talking? The pecans are going to come from the oak. <laughs> you get um, oak is going to give it like hints of vanilla as well as That should be Kirk's nuts. bourbon. Taste the wood. <laughs> <laughs> the James T. Kirk Straight Bourbon Whiskey will be featured at San Diego Comic-Con from July 19th to the 22nd with additional spirits set to make their debut. Fans can pre-order their own bottles for sixty dollars, yeah. That's I've seen worse prices. Yeah, on yeah. Specialty bottles. 
Well, here you go, Andy. Oh, here we go. Five spices. Here no, we go. Uh, literally, nobody cares what the five spices are. Yeah, nope. But you asked. No, I'm just going to tell you what this says. Five spice powder is a spice mixture of five or more spices. Ah, or more. Six spice powder. Used predominantly in Chinese and Taiwanese cuisine and is also used less commonly in other Asian and Arabic cooking. Ingredients. Five a- Arabic spice powder. Mm. Ingredients. Seven bang. What the hell is that? Oh, shit. There yeah. are many variants. Seven bang. <laughs> however, a common mix is. There are many variants. A common mix is star anise, cloves, Chinese cinnamon, Szechuan pepper, and fennel seeds. What's the sixth one? That's just the five they gave me. Yeah, but they said there's often Some five more. or more. Well, it or just more. depends. Other Man. recipes may include I'm left uh, ginger thing. root, nutmeg, turmeric. Ah, I have no idea what this thing is here. It's mandarin orange peel, glandular. Mandarin orange peel is like the peel, licorice, orange, etc. So yeah, that's that's your, that's your. Jeff's five trying place. to help you. Andy. I know, I know, I'm being golly dick. gee. I'm a dick. I'm sorry. After moving his creative deal to AMC, from AMC to Amazon, The Walking Dead's Robert Kirkman has landed eight hour-long episodes of an adults-oriented animated series based on his comic. Invincible. Ooh. Oh. In his first move under the deal, Kirkman will be adapting his recently ended comic about teen legacy superhero Mark Grayson's super education with co-writer Corey Walker. Wow. And former Team Titans writer uh, Simon Rasiopa, I think. Holy mackerel. Who will be the showrunner? Uh, the comic ran from 2003 to February of this year under Image Comics imprint Skybound Entertainment. While Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are still developing a feature version of Invincible over at Universal, this will not impact the animated series, and they will not be involved with this project. That makes four airing shows based on Kirkman's comic creations after Invincible joins The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, and Outcast. Golly. Adult animated show on Invincible. It has I'm to all be in. adult. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It has to be adult. That uh, there is some graphic violence. Outcast just started back up on, uh, I think it's on Cinemax. Yeah. Uh, has anybody watched yeah, that yeah. yet? Da, 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 no? Da, nope. No, probably not. Hmm. Nope. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. I, I think well, I've read the first comic. But if any listeners out there watch it and like it, write into us. Let us know. I think Is Michael Johnson watching? watches it. Okay. I think. Uh, I, I forgot what my seven was. It was six demon bag is what I was trying to come up with. Six demon, <laughs> six demon bag. Six demon bag? It's from Big That's not what it sounded like to me <laughs> no, just now. Six demon bag. What? Six demon bag. Yeah, I heard. I keep hearing sixteen I, and bag. I heard six D and bag. I heard six <laughs> semen bag. <laughs> wow. It's a hell of a game. So the FBI show up at Andy's tomorrow. It's like, it's like What's a this about Andy? a sixteen-year-old semen? <laughs> no, no, you don't that understand. Is, it's not from a sixteen-year-old. It's been aging. In a, with, a, with a pony. That is some low tea. Yeah. <laughs> That's low Come with tea. us, Mr. Taylor. You use it for tea? Ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Todd, you're disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I am the one. Jared Leto is set to play the title role of Morbius. Sony's upcoming Spider-Man spinoff based on the Marvel comic character Morbius the Living Vampire. The- you know what? He's actually kind of the right look for that. Yeah. Yeah. The film will be directed by Daniel Espinosa, whose most recent film was last year's thriller Life, who was reportedly among the directors considered last year for Warner Brothers' upcoming live-action version of Akira. Morbius 
Is Dr. Michael Morbius a gifted scientist who attempts to cure a rare blood disorder via chemistry? The experiment failed, and instead he developed fangs, pale skin, and a thirst for blood, as well as superhuman strength. Okay, now I remember the character. I was struggling there for a second. <laughs> ah. the, I, I, now I remember the bio... Well, same thing as, like, Man-Bat and Batman, but, uh, you know... No, experimenting picture a seventies costume with the shirt open up to the belly button and and sort of. I, I wings. remember, yeah, I remember the character now, yeah. but it was taking me a second. I'm like, vampire? I don't remember a vampire in Spider Man. The character was introduced as a villain for Spider Man in 1971 by Roy Thomas and artist Gil Kane, but has since taken on more of an anti-hero status, headlining his own solo stories as well as team ups like the Legion of Monsters. A Morbius film has been in development at Sony since last fall, alongside other Spider-Man spin-off projects like Venom, Silver and Black, and most recently, Silk. The project also has a script in place from Netflix Lost in Space creators Burke Sharpless and Matt Sazama. Hmm. Yeah, I'm greenlight. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm glad you like I still haven't seen Lost in Space, so... I haven't I mean, either. Surprised no one, but... Okay. Okay. So... I normally don't criticize actors and stuff, but really, am I the only one who's worried about Jared Leto <laughs> As a searching a vampire? <laughs> oh. You mean because of his method acting? Hide your neck, hide your wife. That's yeah. what you say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm sure he won't suck. Thank you. Thank Much. you. Thank you. Dude, that shit drives me batty. <laughs> God damn it. Here, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I can ventrude this. All right. uh, what? Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Deep cut. Deep cut. He's just waiting in the wings. In the wings. Beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. Is that the word? Beautiful. <laughs> Uh, I would have come up with more, but I've been trying to come up with some way to put phlebotomus in there. I just can't I, do it. You know, there's 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 no reflection on his acting God. talent by, oh, by this. <laughs> I'm putting a stake in this right now. I actually <laughs> I actually saw where the mirror thing comes from. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because all the original mirrors were back with silver. Yes. So that's why they can't see the reflection, because of the silver. Ah. Yeah. Gotcha. Silver. Silver. Hi-ho. Hi-ho. Mm. Legendary Entertainment has bought the global film rights to Margaret Bennett's dystopian comic book series, Animosity. Mm -hmm. The series, published by Aftershock Comics, follows the adventures of Jessie, an 11-year-old girl and her dog, Sandor, as they go on a cross-country trek to San Francisco in a world where newly intelligent animals have attained the power of speech and fight humanity as well as one another. Aftershock Media President Lee Kramer and CEO John Kramer are signed on to produce the movie, while John Silk from Legendary will oversee the project. No release date has yet been sent. It's live action? I believe it is probably going to be live action. That, that's say. That's... I assume so. Going to be an interesting challenge. Uh, well, they've kind of well, done the Jungle Book. Yeah, I guess pe- so, yeah. Peanut butter in their mouth. Oh, right, and they, right. And you speak. And- oh, Wilbur, let's kill the humans. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, that works. That's not horsing around. Yeah. Yeah, you haven't seen that, that chimp show that, that Paul Lance likes? Lancelot Link, Super yeah. Chimp? Yeah. Those are just Paul, my friend. I like that show, too. Yeah. <laughs> Lancelot Link, Secret Chimp. <laughs> See, there's ways of doing that. Yeah. Disney 
is shuttering its direct-to-video animation studios, Disney Toon Studios, effective immediately. <laughs> that didn't take long. <laughs> that- no, it's, it's not me. It's him. It's him, I say. I shuddered. Oh, okay. <laughs> shuddered. I guess he's... for me. I guess he's long past rolling in his grave. <laughs> Are we still on that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah Disney shuddered. Quote, after much consideration, we have made the decision to end production activity and close Disney Town Studios. Unquote. A Disney spokesperson said in a statement, about 75 people will be affected. Disney Toon Studios was originally established to work on direct-to-video projects. Disney Toon or Disney Town? Disney Toon, because I can't read. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You wrote this! I, I know. You printed it anyway. Yeah. I'm, I'm hiring he out He cultivated it. Thank you. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. I cultivated this. Uh, directed video projects such as Disney Fairy Films from 2008 to 2014 is responsible for two worldwide theatrical releases, Planes in 2013 and Planes Fire and Rescue in 2014. Uh, some of the fairy films were released in theaters overseas. The Glendale, Glendale-based studio focused primarily on spin-offs and sequels of Disney's hand-drawn animated films, producing such gems as Bambi 2, Lilo and Stitch 2, Stitch Has a Glitch, and Cinderella 3, A Twist in Time. Three? Yeah. Yep. Disney Toon Studios has been in development. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, Kay. What was two? <laughs> yeah, I, I missed did something sk- somewhere. Did they skip and just go straight to three? So... <laughs> Cinderella that's, that's 3, the, the next interesting that's, story. That's well, it's a time travel. They go to 3, and then they go back to 2 for the third yeah. one. Stitch in time, a search for part 2. <laughs> for a short time, I worked for the Disney catalog, and that was like one of their big things was their straight-to-video sequels. They like, were terrible. Yeah, like they had the sequel to Aladdin. Um, they actually had two sequels to Aladdin. The second one... They recast the voice um, of the genie as Dave Coulier, wasn't it? I, I, I think some, you're something right. like that. Yeah. I think and so. then the third sequ- the the third one, the, the second sequel, they brought Robin Williams back right. at, pr- at apparently a pretty hefty price. Because um, he was pissed off at him about the first one. I, I remember Mulan had a sequel. Um, I don't remember the Peter Cinderella Pan Return to Neverland. Yeah, exactly. What did so she? That was, that was a big sequel to, to, to the Moulin Rouge. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> she meets uh, uh, some French guy, mm-hmm. and uh, they're in Vietnam. Spectacular, spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, apparently they sold pretty well because diamonds are a fighter's best friend. Parents would buy them because they they would oh, take their kid to see the kids the, didn't care. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say parents would take their kids to see it in the. The major movie in the theater, and then oh, here's the sequel. I, I can more. simply pop in my VCR and babysit my kid while I do the laundry. They were shovel dreck. Yes. God, Jeff, that was so sexist. But the kid does the laundry. How did I? How is it sexist? I didn't say male oh, or female they, 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 gender. They, in that. They, they might do the dishes, <laughs> make the bed. You know what? He's right. You 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 are the sexist yeah, in this one. He didn't say it. <laughs> he didn't say a sex. He said the parents. <laughs> I don't know what would you be, you know, prejudiced against different uh, household tasks? Because hmm. I said laundry, and you're like, could be the dishes, <clears throat> could be household repair. <laughs> you're a Tascatarian man. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, last one, and a very important one. The 
Mystery Science Theater 3000 team will be going on a U.S. tour yes. Whoa. to celebrate its 30th anniversary with original host and creator in tow. Yep. Yep. According to the official site, the live show will feature current host Jonah Ray and the wisecracking bots, along Mystery Science Theater classic mainstay Joel Hodgson, replete in his red jumpsuit for the first time in a quarter century. On its 30th anniversary tour. It Somehow is, I heard about Joel coming back, but I missed that they're doing a tour. That's great. Yeah. A 29-city, 42-show tour starting on October 9th. Is the list out? Uh, yes, it is. Is it, How close are they coming to us? Uh, California. Yeah, of course. It's not coming to Vegas. Hodgson says, The craziest and most exciting thing for me is that I am putting on my old jumpsuit and will be riffing live shoulder-to-shoulder with Jonah Crow and Tom Servo for two incredibly strange feature films unquote mm. the live shows will feature two different awful b movies that fans will need to buy separate tickets for uh, the brain a piece of canadian sci-fi nonsense and death stalker an 80s sword and sandal film oh, oh wow uh, october i need to start saving now to find out more at mst3k.com uh these cool things don't come to vegas for well, the most part, the, some, Peter, some the, the last unicorn do. did. It did. Yeah. That yeah. one did. But, but for it's the pretty most rare. Part, yeah, it is pretty rare. And I, think, I mean, that's why I have to go to California to go see Jonathan Colton and stuff like that. Sure. And I think the reason is, is because, one, it's so the only population center in all of Nevada is Vegas and Reno. Everything else is smatterings. Mm-hmm. These other locations, they're like, well, everybody's kind of within a four-hour drive yes. of all these places. So if you don't live in Chicago, but you might live four hours away from Chicago or Minneapolis, or, or I think it might be a, I think there's a venue issue too. I mean, there's there's no. Honestly, I th- I think it's like they think if it's California, well, Vegas is four hours yeah. away. Anybody in Vegas can drive people four hours. People in Vegas to will go to California, and we will. But the problem is, there's so many people in California already that it's going to be yes. hard for us Vegas people to get tickets. Might be. Yeah. Might be. Although they are doing a lot of shows in California, I okay. noticed. And, of course, some of these are two nights in a row. Okay. So, but uh, your mileage may vary and your mileage might be close, so check out the list. Were they doing San Diego and L.A. or was it just L.A.? Because I thought I remembered seeing both cities on that tour list. I think they're doing both. Okay. Yeah. And I would love to go down to San Diego for that. They yeah. probably have one in San Francisco, too. Who knows? I Who don't knows? remember all the California cities right. they're doing. You know what? I want to open this last part to uh, spoilers for Incredibles 2. You guys want to discuss a little bit of that. So if you haven't seen Incredibles 2. You haven't seen it yet. I haven't yet, but I'm cool with it. Uh, If you haven't seen Incredibles 2 and don't want to be spoiled, this is your time to tune out. So again, if you want to join the the drawing to get a Brian Keen book, write to us, comments at couchshow.com. Help Brian Keen in the subject line. Uh, But from here on in... Uh, join us once you've seen Incredibles 2 or you just don't care. Okay. Well, the first spoiler land, then it's Jack. Uh, the, in, uh, that wasn't a lot of time for me to, no. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of ease into it for people to tune Sorry. out. Well, they were jumping. Dove, <laughs> dove right, on the positive, dove right in. On the positive side, he just said, it's Jack. Jack. He didn't right. specifically say. Sure, but man, <laughs> you, you were ready to go. I Yeah. Raring. Bursting. Yeah. All right, so okay, what, what you got to say about Jack? Well, it's Jack. Jack. One, one of the one of the bits is that the the Par family don't realize that Jack has superpowers. So I had to go back and watch the first one because all the times he does the superpower stuff, it's with the babysitter off camera. Yes, and 
in Syndrome's arms when he's out of sight of them, when he's way up in the air being yeah. stolen by him. That makes sense. But I I would have sworn that he was doing it in front of the family. So I Mandela was like, effect. Gob, yeah, I was gobsmacked. I'm like, wait, how can they not know that the baby has powers? So <clears throat> That makes sense. Yeah. So what else you got to say about Incredibles 2? The, the cast was great about continuing on the characters, developing the characters, making you care more about the characters that you're already, you already have care about. I have to say that writers did not miss a beat. I mean, given the length of time between you know, the original and the sequel, a lot of times you lose that feel, you lose that voice, you just can't continue because you're not the same person you were when you wrote the original thing. I, I remember uh, Lucas talking about that when he wrote the prequels. You know, I was a different person going back and writing. I was a fool. Something, something along the lines like I was a fool to think I could recapture the way that I felt when I was 25 when mm. I'm in my 40s. So, uh, but or uh, write dialogue. Yeah, well, <clears throat> there's yeah. that too. Yeah. <laughs> that too, but <laughs> the guy uh, gets bagged on enough. I thought I would just. Uh, I, w- I will tell you that the uh, as a dad, the dad staying home with the kids thing hit me hard. I I, I was really feeling that. They hit the, all the notes for me. So uh, yeah, kudos for yeah moving me. Yeah, I heard a lot of. Noises of Andy's movement while we were watching the movie. Yeah. His movement? Yeah. You heard it. Like, are you just saying he was fidgety in his seat when that was going on? He was was moved. Oh, moved. God, you guys. Jesus. How long have you been doing this podcast? Yeah. Long enough to know what you're talking about usually <laughs> yeah <laughs> and if it's andy and movements it's not something good yeah, it could be bad yeah <laughs> it was it i yeah it classic wonderful writing uh the look is great the story was just fun i was like geez i wonder if syndrome's gonna come back out you know i was wondering if they're gonna do that and they didn't which was good really good mm-hmm. and uh they didn't uh they they did not resolve mole man that was kind of fun that they didn't do that yeah yeah. Um yeah. I, I like the new the various new heroes that show up. Yes. Yeah. That was cool. That was cool. And the way they use them in their powers and stuff, a lot of the interactions there. Um and Frozone. They're just making him badass as hell. Yeah, they are. So um I did sorry, here we're getting this serious spoiler area. Again, again, I know yeah. what I'm getting into. I bought um, my ticket. I saw when the, when they brought in the billionaires, the, the zillionaires. I knew something was up. I knew somebody was yeah. was a turncoat. Somebody was on the wrong side. Uh-huh. I did not know for sure which one or if it was both. But yeah, I could see that 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 was telegraphed pretty yeah. pretty clearly. Not too terrible to see, and because of the technical technological. Right, I knew aspect. I, I knew she it was had involved. To be the sister. I knew she. She. The technology was hers. The question was whether she. Whether was, yeah, whether he was he was doing actively or she was, involved or not, or or he was doing it behind her back using her technology. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, they did kind of leave that up to you to try to figure out until they made their big reveal. So that mm-hmm. was that was good. Um, it was one of those where you're like, well, I know it's one or two of them or both. They kept you guessing right up until they said, okay, here's the thing. 
mm-hmm. or I should say when she snaps the glasses on her and you're like, oh, it's her. Yep. But then you still kept guessing. Is, is he also involved? And then answered that question like 10 minutes later. Yeah. Just, just really good. Really good film. Really enjoyed it. The Incredible is still one of my, my favorite Pixar films, I think, right after the, the Toy Story mm. movies. Just enough, Edna. You, yes. you said there was, well, she's kind of, yeah, just a perfect yeah. amount of Edna. She's, I would have liked to have seen a little more of her, but yeah, she's, she's, she's in there just enough. Mm-hmm. A little goes a long way? Yeah. Well, I, see, I don't have a problem with her character, but, uh, you know, I think they, what I'm saying is they used her effectively mm-hmm. as opposed to just you know, throwing her on there more and more because she's kind of the, she's, the face that you <clears throat> see on the commercials and the trailers and so forth. She's kind of a Yoda character. I mean, she's kind yeah. of she's kind of there to give sage advice and move away. Right. Yoda and Q rolled into one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of fun. Yeah. What else? Yeah. There's something else I really enjoyed and I'm not I'm, I can't put my finger on it. Oh, the action sequence, uh, the uh, the Elastigirl stopping the train sequence yeah. is just one of the most exciting action sequences I've ever seen in any anime. Yeah, very yeah. good. Uh, uh, throughout, the very good action set pieces, but that's like the hallmark, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really funny when you think about that in an animated movie because mm-hmm. you get your action set pieces in live action movies, and one of the hallmarks is you're sitting there going, wow. What it must have taken to set this up and execute and film that scene. And here it's all animated. But, but it's you still, still ha- is, yeah. it's still kind of awe inspiring. You have to you have to create all those assets that she's driving off of, driving over, driving under. Yeah, and it's nicely plotted yeah. too. It's uh, And then you have to go and render all of that. Yeah. Which yeah. And uh, just well. where she's going, spot to spot to spot, and everything makes good sense. When the Elastocycle came out, I'm like, well, that's nice and cool, and it's a nifty little thing, but she's stretchy. What good does a motorcycle do her? And then I started using like, oh, well, that's yeah. pretty fucking yeah. cool. That's, that, that's, was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's, that that's a nice use of her powers. Fun. That's really cool. I, I think you, you touched on it, and, it, you know, there's a, lot, there's a lot of heart to the film, too, mm-hmm. because you're, you know... You know, the mom chooses to to go be the face of the you know, you know, make the mm-hmm. powers legal again, and he chooses to stay at home with the kids. Well, I guess reluctantly to stay at home, and and how a father relates to a I guess preteen. They kept calling her teenage, but isn't she like preteenage? Like she's like just on the edge of being a teenager. She's in high school, isn't she? I thought she was in junior high, but I could be wrong. I was right on the edge. But at at any rate, you know, when he thinks he's doing the right thing and, you know, that kind of almost no win. It's like, if I don't do anything, (laughs) it's as bad as doing something and then doing it wrong. And then how do you mend that relationship? And how do you address something that, you know, you don't understand from her perspective? Here's the job. There yeah. may be books on how to do it, right? But you don't have time to read them because yeah. you're doing the job. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, yeah. And bits of, bits of tips of the hat to other types of movies. I mean, right. the, 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 it feels very, uh, very uh, James Bondish. As right. the first one did. The, the, and, um, but also there's like the bit where the, the sun is being chased through the, the jungle. 
very Return of the Jedi, very reminiscent of that. Right. For me, uh, the shooting, you know, when they give you camera angles from his perspective, as well as running through and stuff like that. It was just, I really enjoyed that. And little tiny nods like that. Anything else, gentlemen? Uh, no, except my phone is suddenly decided to start printing stuff. Um. <laughs> no, it, it's just beeping. I don't know why oh, it's beeping. printed something over there. A piece of paper fell out of there. Ooh, I think no, that pe- was. Yeah, it, I, think, I think it was just a ghost. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, porn. It's printing porn. Printing porn. Yes. Oh, good God. All my pony porn. Um. <laughs> but your pony porn, right to us. Comments oh, at uglycouchshow.com. And until next week, I'm Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Uh, not fact checked, Andy. That's not mine. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Mm, ghost paper. Ghost, ghost paper. Ghost paper. It's like, I. Boy, oh boy, the I, early I days are really of the hot. internet when you're going through something and you, you hit that unfortunate site and your printer just starts shooting off page <laughs> after page. And, <laughs> I'm printing the entire yeah, internet. I, oh, Jesus. Oh, jeez. And, and, uh, I, I never had that uh, Never had that experience. So. Oh, tech savvy. That was, nope. was ridiculous. I think the worst one that happened to me was when it started printing off all of Pulp Fiction one scene at a time. Whoa. <laughs> just, just one cell every time, just going. Wow. Did yeah. it really? No. No, that'd be no, cool. Didn't. <laughs> didn't happen at all. That would have been great. Make so a there was, there was a, I can't remember who it is, but there was a moment where there was the last person who'd read all of the knowledge of, of that time, but it happened a long time ago. There became a point where there were too many books to read. And I'm trying to remember who it is. It's before Franklin, but there's, but there's. So you're saying historically there is an individual, is an individual who had read and, everything that existed, right? Who had read all the and 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 when the internet came along, that happened like in the first three minutes. All, all the internet, all the there being too much on the internet to read happened like within three minutes of existing. Yeah, yeah. Worthy of reading, another thing, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> The entirety of human knowledge. Yeah, you can't fool me on the days of Usenet. Mm. Oh, God. Although there's one thing I miss from Usenet that I absolutely adored is that the uh, the alt.mysteriesciencetheater.net mm-hmm. group mm? would take Usenet posts from other groups oh, my God. and then put a Tom Servo and Crow and Joel script on top of it. Nice. nice. And it was glorious. Mm. So you were reading basically a Mystery Science Theater episode of a news post. Can uh, can they start a subreddit and do that? They probably can. They probably, probably do. Have probably already does. Have it. <laughs> this is it's probably still happening and I just don't know about it. Uh, if it's happening, let me know. I'm kind of curious if this is yeah. still happening out there somewhere. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Please. And don't send me any more flip books of Pulp Fiction. I just can't oh, take it. Yeah. <laughs> Hill Bill. Somebody's going to do that. Bill Bill, I'll take at least the first chapter. Oh, That's yeah. a great flip book right there. Mm-hmm. Second chapter, you lose a little something in the uh, translation. Uh, unless house, unless you have subtitles. Yeah, the House of Blue Leaves flip book would be awesome. Yeah. Debbie does Dallas flip book. I can get behind it. <laughs> <laughs> That's